Sam Clements and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today we're joined by Ali Plum, BBC Radio 1 and One Extra's film critic, interviewer guy, press conferencer and Q&A host. Ali, I stole that from your Twitter bio. Sensible. It's a really good Twitter bio. You're too kind. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, an absolute pleasure. You are a you're a film guy. You work in film. You have to see films for your job. I'm a filmy man. Yeah, it's difficult to put what I do into words, as my Twitter bio proves. Yes, I'm essentially the film geek, in-house film nerd for Radio 1 and also its iPlayer channels and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and self-facilitating media node stuff. I get it. I do movies for the Beeb. There's basically two of us who work permanently for the Beeb in this way. It's kind of me, kind of commode. It's a, it's a weird little job. I absolutely love it. And it does mean that I watch pretty much every movie that comes out every week, as long as it's vaguely young. So I'm not necessarily going to be reviewing The Wife. Right. But I am definitely going to be reviewing Battle Angel Alita. Not a bad lot, <laughs> really. Yeah. yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> I was going to say, so you, you have to watch films a lot for your job. Do you do you also watch films in your home time? When, or is that a bit of a busman's holiday? There's a little bit of that. The trouble I have is that my better half really likes movies too, right? So I've seen them all already, and she understandably gets a little bit miffed when I'm like, mm, I watched that last week. So you have to work hard to make sure that, you know, if she really wants to see a movie, I'll see if I can sneak her into a screening I'm going into. Now, again, this is just nothing worth moaning about, no. <laughs> but it is very specific to my life. But no, I do watch movies at home. I have a massive Blu-ray and DVD collection. I am currently obsessed with steelbooks and I've just been spending way too much money. When you look at what the markup is for a steelbook, it's like, what am I thinking? But the packaging is so pretty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm way in, way in. Uh, for Christmas, I got this really nice Rocky steelbook, for example. And I was like, ooh, over the moon. But yeah, now I do watch a lot of movies at home. Uh, some might say too many. Tricky. I always find that in our home time, yeah, outside of work, what do I do? How do I spend these these free time hours? Uh, is it playing a video game? Is it actually doing something productive? Is nah. it housework? Reading. Or should I just watch a movie? But I do like to try and pack them in. Yeah, I have a tendency lately to watch a lot of TV as a kind of like counterpoint. Well, it's not movies. I'll watch TV. And, you know, the age-old thing is that I had friends that I went to uni with that would regularly say, oh, I don't want to sit down and watch a movie. My friends all spoke like that. I don't want to watch a movie. Four hours later, they'll have boshed two seasons of the US office. Mm. And you go, well, hang- we- the math doesn't check out on that. But well, hang on, what? It's sort of a, like a dark magic to yeah. that sort of stuff. I mean, I mean, I ha- that's why I haven't seen The Wire. I've not seen The West Wing. And it's purely because I'm like, no, I'm going to watch films. Films? But actually, I still really want to watch those, sh- those shows that I could have watched like 10 years ago. I don't want to be a spoiler here, but they're both very good. It's my hot, hot take, hot review, fresh, fresh out of the box. So it sounds like film running times could come into your home viewing decisions. Definitely Is that part true? of my life. Yes, definitely part of my life. I would say that often I'm watching movies in the evening as part of my job. And again, boohoo, woe is me, but this is a safe environment. I'm just going to be me. And I want to come home and watch another movie, but you need to wake up at a certain time next morning. So yeah, 90-minute movies are on point. And I regularly rant about this on air, that a comedy like the one we might be talking about today 
has to be a certain length. It has to hit it and quit it. Like, it's not necessarily there to tell a story. It's there to make jokes that make sense within a story. I don't walk out of my favourite comedies going, yeah, it was funny, but I really felt like the plot wasn't going anywhere. No one cares. Make me laugh. Make me feel better about consuming my body weight in a Slurpee. And I get the heck out of there. That's it. A pure comedy, not like a cross-genre thing. 90 minutes is the hot spot. You're, you're, you're saying all the right words. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, aside from the title of your, your podcast being grammatically incorrect, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. We had a conversation about this, and I agree with you, but also for marketing reasons. Doesn't it sound cool? It does. Also, you could just say that you're kind of playing with the fact that 30 Minutes or Let's was a movie. That's true. So you're kind of aping them. So that's cool. And I'm into that. So just ignore what I'm saying. I'm a total grammar <laughs> idiot. Life is too short for long movies sometimes. I, I think I, I, I mostly agree with that, especially in the sort of Apatow, Schumer yeah. world oh, of two-hour and 20-minute long comedies, which don't need to be that long. That was a period in, like, what, 2012, 2013, where, I mean, Trainwreck was too long, and I thought that was shorter than most. Yes. And, yeah, the, the can, I, can I start teasing what I might be talking about? Please do. So this is one of my favourite films of all time, I would casually say. And when you asked me, oh, so what would you include in your 90 minutes or fewer film festival? I thought, oh, no, I better come up with a good one, something worth talking about, something we could really analyse and see what themes could be strung out within 90 minutes. And, you know, what can I find that's dense and interesting and has layers, but also is 90 minutes long? And then I saw this film was under 90 minutes and my face lit up. I haven't watched this in about two years. I love watching it. Scenes from this film are a part of my everyday discourse. I will quote lines from this without even meaning to all the time. Some of them might be, move along here, nothing to see here. Move along, nothing to see. I say that quite a lot. Next to something that's really, really exciting. Might be a really famous person doing something in the live round on Radio 1 or whatever. The song I Love LA is often stuck in my head and it's only because of this film. On that, what film did you choose for the 90 Minutes or Fewer Film Fest? I picked the best film from Zucker Abram Zucker, the Zaz team, the best thing I've ever done, the original Naked Gun, or to give it its full title, Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. Exclamation point. I've got the back of the DVD here, and on the back of the DVD for The Naked Gun, it says, An intrepid Los Angeles police lieutenant is determined to foil a plot to assassinate the Queen of England, no matter whose toes he has to step on, even his own, based on the 1982 series Police Squad. There was quite a brisk synopsis for yeah. this film on the back also of the DVD. <laughs> treading on your own toes. Oh, lol. It really does not communicate how witty and, yes, stupid this film is with a little weird wordplay on toe-stepping. Whatever. Also, this is the back of the DVD. Maybe mention who's in the film. Yeah, also the front cover is a man riding a bullet like a surfboard and on the back it's like, yeah, he might tread on his own toes. I mean, what? It's bananas. Yeah. yeah, I was really surprised. I looked at several sort of versions and listings of this film online and that is the copy. That is the one synopsis everybody goes to. Interesting. Just for the context of Leslie Nielsen fans, in where where in his back catalogue is this? Airplane was before this, right? Yeah, 1980, I believe. Yeah, so this is a significant chunk of time later, eight years. Mm. Obviously, Police Squad came out, and beforehand, he was known for being a relatively straight, if not the straightest kind of straight, 
traditional American Hollywood hero. He had the voice, he had the hairline. Yes, he had now white hair, but he was a good-looking, well-built American man. Then he started doing airplane films, and it all got wonderfully out of hand. The question about this movie is, do you prefer it more or less when you look at Airplane? Like, what, what, what would you rather sit down and watch, to your mind? I think because I've watched the film quite recently, I, I've just been reminded of all of the things I really enjoyed watching this film as a kid. Mm. I think nostalgia plays into that. That's so true. I think I'm, I prefer this more. Although I'm sure if I watch Airplane, I'll be like, no, no, Airplane's the better one. Yeah, yeah. But it's a nice problem to have. <laughs> I think it is one of those eternal, which is your favourite conundrums of, you know, is it Pulp Fiction? Is it Reservoir Dogs? You know, what, what are your favourites? And I think this is a tough one. Rewatching this, nostalgia. Absolutely. I can remember this film, at least for the first two thirds, just scene by scene. I can I can think of it. I go, oh, there's the, you know, there's the bit in Beirut. There's the bit on the boat. You know, I can go through it. You know, the beaver thing and da da da. And rewatching this, I think in the first two acts, there's only one scene that doesn't have any jokes in it. And that's when Ricardo Montalban tells Ms. Presley, essentially, says you need to go and spend time with Drebin so that you can find out more about him. And there's no, no, no gags at all. But everything else is absolutely stuffed like a beaver, full of gags. And I think even though not all of them necessarily hit now as an adult, as a nine-year-old, this slayed. Mm-hmm. I died. It was amazing. I mean, it still is amazing. The bit in the credits where it's just the rotating siren light, yep. it goes on a roller coaster. And I'm like, it goes into a group of girls having a shower (laughs) it is just value for money i think gag for gag maybe it doesn't quite reach the heights of airplane which you may not know this but cat brown formerly of the empire parish she once for an empire feature wrote down every single joke from airplane and it's more than one a minute it's it's something i mean obviously it is when you think about it it is a staggering amount that's what Zucker, Abram, Zucker do. Like, they layer... There's so many jokes going on in the background, and mm. there's, like, almost too many jokes going on in the background. I'd agree with that. It's such a background... And that's their style of comedy. Like, it's... The action is Drebin walking from left to right or whatever. Yes. But in the background, there's going to be four different things going on, mm. and you're like, Wait, where do I look? Yeah, yeah, there is a bit of that. <laughs> also, they've cast well and, and set up gags so well that when a joke isn't very good or could be conceivably cornball... The way it's delivered and then reacted to is just on point. Another really good line from this film that when I worked at Empire was a really hot one to say was um, Nordberg's only got a 50-50 chance to live, but there's only a 10% chance of that. Right, so that's the line. And so it gets said, and they're both very very straight about it, and then Drebin just turns to him and goes, hmm? Cut. And that's it. And the joke's quite lame, it's kind of clever, kind of not. But the way that he just goes, a, hmm? and then it cuts. Well, Leslie Nielsen's reactions are legendary. Legendary. And like most of the, the laughs from this film are sort of how he responds to things around him. And the fact that he can keep a straight face yes. when everybody else is you know, like doing the most ridiculous thing. Because he's the king of the 50s, 60s, straight-laced ham. Really down the barrel, this is what I'm reading off the auto cue mm. acting. But he is extraordinarily good. When he's beating up Idi Amin in the opening scene. This is an extraordinary film. 1988 was both yesterday and a long time ago when you watched this movie. Yes. (laughs) 
I mean, there are really some right moments. But no, I just love rewatching this. So what a great opportunity for you, with you, to rewatch this. I laughed a lot at some really stupid stuff. When they start falling in love, Presley and Drebin, it's just hysterical. They're holding hands running through the sea. And because they're so in love, they refuse to let their arms break when another couple starts walking towards them. They clothesline them into the into the sea. And you go, why not? It's a gag. Screw it. There'll be another one in a second. Fantastic. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. What were your thoughts re-watching it now? Yes, there's nostalgia, but did you think this is still funny? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I was. I love comedy. Uh, we watch a lot of sitcoms in our in our spare time, and and I do like a, a comedy film. I think with the '80s ones, I watched them so much as a kid, like the, the big American '80s ones. Are you thinking like Hot Shots and stuff? All of the Hot Shots, the Bill Murray's, the like the SNL sort of alumni type shows, and that's what I grew up watching on videotapes and on on TV, and that's how I discovered a lot of these films on TV. Yeah, I'm excited you've chosen this because I've never seen it in a cinema, ah. and of course, comedy works so well in a cinema with a huge crowd of people absolutely. laughing along. So, but we watched it with a couple of friends so there was four of us and that's probably the most people I've watched this film with and it was really fun to sort of see how they were reacting to it as well. Were there groans? Uh, we well we were wondering about this because we were worried a little bit about maybe some of the sexual politics if any of that stuff would be okay and and I think the film mostly errs on the side of it's okay because they are they're really considerate for a lot of the film and the jokes are really funny there's a few things which now you're a bit like ooh but the pacing of the film is such that it moves away from that yes, stuff quite quickly right. It doesn't take anything it does very seriously. No. In so much as we're making a jab at women here. I think it's a bit like Michael Scott in the US office, just to bring that back. Bad things are said and done in, a, in an off-colour way, mm. but it's very boyish. Mm. It's very, I don't really know what I'm doing. This is all stupid. I'm stupid. He's stupid. But what's extraordinary is how this movie basically doesn't have any straight people. Even Jamie Presley is relatively... I mean, she is funny and she says funny things, but it's, I suppose the trick is everyone's straight, but also everyone's stupid. Well, they're all doing stupid things, but they're doing it in a very serious way. Yes. <laughs> so like, that's why I think Leslie Nielsen is so good at this. He is a proper actor. He's not yeah. a comedian who's gone into acting. He's not winking at the camera or trying to make people laugh. It's the fact that he's not trying to make people laugh yeah. is what works. <laughs> Although this movie, when you press play on it, it does begin with him looking at the camera a few times, but it's not done in a gym from the office type way. It's mm. just, okay. But my favourite bit about it is the physical stuff. There's a bit where he is patting down a guest to the Queen's uh, dinner and they're doing it one, they're both doing it, both the, the, the police squad guys. And he starts fleecing his like guys other guy's pockets and says you brought a gun and obviously it's the policeman's gun he's got a picture of your wife in here in his wallet and that is just old-fashioned vaudeville mm. classic nonsense they get away with it and i think we don't see that in comedy much you're not going to see in daddy's home or some kind of big will ferrell thing a traditional mistaken oh wrong pocket ah oh, went through that door should have been that door that doesn't happen and it is so refreshing now mm. i'm thinking obviously about the lauren hardy movie that came out lately stan and ollie to see that in a more modern setting because it just it isn't done now no not it, at all i can't think of a modern comedy film not that many generally that even tries to do this sort of thing 
It feels like that type of comedy, that again, one of the things I was thinking about rewatching this is like, why don't people make films like this anymore? And I know they, they sort of tried, they ended up becoming the parody films, like the scary movies, yes, which did, yeah. Zucker directed a couple of and Leslie Nielsen is in a couple Hidden, of. Yeah. And it doesn't work in those films. Like, why doesn't it work in those films? Is it just that they're not as crafted well, like they're not crafted so well, the people in them aren't as good as Nielsen in this cast? Or or is that, I don't know, have we, do we as audiences, do we just want more from our comedies now? I think maybe the problem those films had were that horror movies are quite goofy anyway. And obviously there was like Dead and Loving It and a bunch of that stuff. What makes Police Squad works great for me, at least within the movies, is that this is a gumshoe story. It is a policeman slash detective story. He does voiceover. He just talks, you know, if they need to fill a gap between one scene to another, they just get him in the sound booth and say something in a gumshoe. And I went to go and see the guy because I needed to find out what was going on over there. And it was just, it's just a detective story, which is inherently serious because it's meant to be, you know, you know, gunfights outside a dog food, sausage, hot dog factory or whatever. And that's relatively serious and is a quite funny goldmine of comedy. And then I just don't find the scary movie, that stuff, serious enough. You know, I, I find that kind of, you're laughing at horror movies anyway, aren't you? Mm. When someone's head pop, pops off in like a scream... You know, that's it's kind of funny, you know? And Scream is also like sort of a, a comment about horror movie yeah. tropes. And then this is about Scream, which is already like a postmodern yeah, exactly. comedy horror. Like, it's a weird thing to parody. It's just, I guess it's because those films were so popular. And, mm. But like to do five or whatever scary movie. <laughs> but don't you find when you watch Naked Gun, you're not going, ah, oh, this is a really good send up of mm. police stories. You go, this is a funny film. I'm not, th- I don't keep thinking, ah, oh, that's a reference to, I don't know, The Black Dahlia. You yeah. just go, funny guy doing a funny thing he's sliding across across the table in front of the queen or whatever you know it's like the scales are sort of tipped in the probably the right balance here it's mostly a comedy with detective stuff tropes and yes. things in it whereas the other ones are painfully shoehorned references to things yeah. and then maybe some jokes around those things it doesn't <laughs> have the painful shoehorn i'm sure there is stuff in here that i'm just not getting and i didn't get as a kid like all of the idiot mean stuff trust me i didn't get when i was nine mm. there's no way i did or the gorbachev with the birthmark and stuff oh, yeah but wasn't getting any of that and that you know whatever but the stuff at the baseball at the end is just brilliant it's so good all of the silly dancing when he's trying because he in order to just to remind you guys listening in order to work out which one of the people there could be the killer he has to keep patting down and touching up all the different baseball players and he sneaks in as the back referee umpire and him finding ways to touch people up is hysterical and then having to give signals to people and he's all like (laughs) (laughs) it's a fully grown man who looks a bit like your dad doing silly dances funny good cop needlessly cut down an ambush by some cowardly hoodlum there's no way for a man to die yeah you're right ed a parachute not opening that's a way to die getting caught in the gears of a combine Having a nut spit off by a Laplander. That's the way I want to go. What I really liked when sort of researching this film for this pod is, like, I loved it because I grew up watching it and I was like nine or whatever and people falling over and stuff just made me laugh and and I remember that. But at the time, people also loved it. Really serious film critics. 
loved it. Roger Ebert gave this a glowing review and, and the sort of famous line from his review is that you laugh and then you laugh at yourself for laughing. That's true. And it's true. You're like, yeah. oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm like doubled over just like laughing and what a ridiculous thing to be in. That's so true. It, you, you do laugh at yourself laughing. That's so absolutely spot on. I sort of, I think it's, it's nice that even quite serious film critics can sort of come out and like, that's just pure comedy. It's just and funny. And that's, that's funny. And, and it did sort of make me feel like I, I miss this type of film because you're right, you mentioned earlier, it's usually a comedy drama now and yeah. there's an emotional third act and can't we just have like less than 90 minutes of balls to the wall comedy just make me laugh do you worry that this will get remade and if so and if it does happen in a kind of national lampoon type way who would you be willing to let be frank drebin because i have a hot suggestion that i think is going to blow your head off oh, i'm really interested in your hot suggestion i i did sort of read that they were talking about first of all doing a sequel like it would be a canonical sequel or whatever and they they had ed helms in the picture for that but he's you know, of course done the national lampoons thing he <laughs> is the guy that people would suggest i can mm. see that but i think like nielsen's older in this drebin's an older guy so yeah. i think you want someone a bit more age appropriate I've, it's only because i'm binging the office right now but steve carell can do this yes he can and he did it in get smart ah, that's that the is problem true. that is true Again, he's more, even more boyish than Drebin in that. He is, he, I mean, it's the same story as Spy, mm. which is, oh, I'm the office guy and here I am. You know, I shouldn't, I know a bit of what's going on, but I don't really. My suggestion, thinking of Spy, and go with me here. This would be taking the mick out of hypermasculinity, taking the mick out of Fast and Furious films, that sort of thing. And I think, in fact, if I were to suggest this, I would, I'd want it to be more of an obvious Fast and Furious Mickey take. Is Jason Statham. Because he can do, like Leslie Nielsen, the absurdly straight, mm-hmm. I am action man, I will punch you in the face, you big shark. He can do that, obviously. But if you see him in Spy, the way he does all those lines of I'm going to rip my arm off and hit you around the head with it, mm-hmm. then I'm going to plug it back in. You know, I parachuted out of a you know volcano, stuff like that. That feels to me like the best new Drebin we could do. You couldn't call him that character. He'd have to be like... His second cousin twice removed, three times removed, I don't know. But he strikes me as a Statham obsessive, as someone who could do the super straight and the funny at the same time. And I can't think of many other people that can really do that justice. I don't want to hear stupid suggestions like, oh, he was in a comedy film, so why not Bradley Cooper? You know, I don't... You need to have that genre tone. Mm Mm-hmm. And he brings a lot of that with him as well from his previous roles. And that's great. You know, he can send himself up and he's, he's got all of that, that stuff behind him. He doesn't need to do it in this film. The audience will just be like, yes. yeah, okay, stay. Yeah. I'm expecting something. And then he can just blow their minds he when he does Driven. And he can be so funny. He can be. I think The Rock is too winky. Mm. I think he's too knowing. Whereas Jason Statham does take himself a little seriously. That's my hot pitch. It will probably happen. Naked Gun. 44 and a fourth it feels like it feels like they're in the way you know nostalgia is so popular in hollywood right it's, mm. it's like the most valuable currency and yeah i think you're right i'm sure the i think the original you know producers are are rumored to be working on on something the comedies are just so risky generally and particularly as we do live in 2019 and for good or ill people are more scared of making those risks we've talked about how this movie doesn't age particularly well in certain instances mm. they'd have to go really long on the silly Yes. And they couldn't have a scene where you <laughs> burst into a woman's hotel room with a concrete dildo and scream at them. Or maybe you could. I don't know. 
It works within the context of the movie. If you haven't rewatched The Naked Gun lately, that will sound very scary. Same old story. Boy finds girl, boy loses girl, girl finds boy. Boy forgets girl, boy remembers girl. And girl dies in a tragic blimp accident over the Orange Bowl on New Year's Day. Good year. No, the worst. What are the bits from this movie that really make you think, that really make you laugh when you look back on it? What are, do you like the samurai pen fish sequence or that's that's sort of when I was talking earlier about how there's jokes going on in the background. Like that's yeah. probably like the best example of that mm. when it's such a ridiculous. I just I mean it's such a ridiculous situation to be in. It's also quite tense. Like you're yeah. quite you, you feel you know like he's in a the presence of someone quite dangerous and they cast you know, uh, Ricardo Montalban very well. And I like that the, the whole cast is, is full of, you know, these people who don't really come from a comedy background. They're no, just actors. It's character actors. actors, acting. Yeah. Um, but in this most ridiculous thing. But I, I just love any time that there is something or four things going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. And it's especially good if Drebin doesn't notice it. Yes, that's um, true. Like when he gets out of the car early on in the film... And the car rolls off, and he doesn't realise it's his own car. Yes, yes, yes. And that, and it turns, you know, the airbags start. And he's giving like, who's the, driving? Giving the car life. Did anyone catch the number plate? Yeah. Like that again. Simple joke, but it's just the way he plays and the way he reacts to that. Yeah. It, 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 I guess it's all on Nielsen, really. Like, put him in a, in a in a situation and see how ridiculous it can get, and he still manages to sell it. Yes. It's such a fun exercise for this movie. It is. I think the stuff they must have suggested and said, no, that's too silly, would be the things I want to ask the, uh, the Zuckers would be like, what didn't make the cut? What was like, yeah. no, 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 that's too much or that's not funny enough or too not silly enough or how did you find that perfect balance? I, I really like the scene where everything catches on fire when he goes and breaks into someone's house, into the bad guy's house and then sets off his automi- automated piano system and then breaks every Ming vase he has and then he, he manages to save the painting from being caught up in the flames and then spikes it on a giant pot plant. It, that it's Again, when you describe this movie out loud, you go, is that funny? <laughs> really? Are you sure that's funny, Ellie? I think uh, a lot of it as well is the fact that it's it's in a time before CGI and green screen and actually all of that stuff, there is a room full of Ming vases and yes, there, there are is. these giant shelves that all fall That's over. That's absolutely and, right. And, and when they're, um, they're shooting in LA and they're actually shooting in LA on the streets or mm. outside of town in a desert. And, and I just like that you actually, it's made like a real detective movie. Mm. It's not like, oh, we'll put some cheap green screen on and we'll do this. No, like, we'll do actually cheap, shot it in that we'll sort do some of thing. cheap paper mache but we won't use his green screen yeah. that bit with the Ming vases he catches one he catches another they would have had to have done that many times to get one continuous shot of him going grab 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 mm. and the whole thing falls over anyway like you can't really fake that mm. but you can think right now somebody would have gone oh, could we not just CGI that that seems like it would take yeah. a long time to shoot there we have it the naked gun is in the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. It is genuinely one of the best big screen comedies I could think of. Like, off the top of my head, slam dunk, gonna make everyone happy. Great movie. And the fact that it's 90 Minutes fully lends itself to why it's funny. Doesn't outstay its welcome, as I'm sure people say on this podcast a lot. And it is condensed and taut and just ticks along really nicely. You laugh, you get out of there. I just really love this movie. But you're about to ask me, if this were in the film festival, how would I set it up? Absolutely. Given what I've said about things being over overdone and too much, too many trappings, and you know, would you really want to walk through? I don't know the science lab where they come up with the exploding cufflinks and whatever. 
you could go secret cinema on this. You could. There is fun to be had. But I think, honestly, this is a film that requires a lot of very sweet popcorn, lots of Coca-Cola, other soft drinks are available, and just a big, shouty cinema. You want it to be in, like, kind of a Peckhamplex, if you guys know that, which is a very kind of, like, paper-thin wall, shouty cinema. You want that! Because you want people... You want to not catch every joke because people are laughing too hard. And so I would just keep it cheap and cheerful. Do you think the audience would be people like us who grew up watching the film? Or do you think like this film has the power to get a new audience in who maybe haven't seen it before or really seen any of like the Zucker, Abram Zucker movies? I think this one and Airplane would still have the sheer silliness factor to, to pull people through. And I think almost there'd be a cute factor of, oh, God, was it really like that back then? No, I think this has still got it. I could definitely see a 10-year-old, 11-year-old chuckling away at, you know, all the nonsense. You don't have to do this, but some people like to invite a special guest when they put their film on at the festival. If you if you could invite anyone to this screening, who would it be? I suppose it would be Zaz or the Zuckers, any available. I know some podcasts are really good at this, like the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith mm. managed to unearth some amazing people. Like they got the two writers of Die Hard to meet each other for the third time and really talk it out. I would like that for this movie. I would. And I know there's an element of don't unpick comedy, really, as we've discussed before, but screw it. I think they would have good moments. Oh, you wouldn't believe how difficult it was to shoot that fireworks scene. Oh, to get that shot, whatever. It's the second movie that has the triple slap, isn't it? Or is this this film? Don't so that's the one where they're at. They're, they're on a date. I think it is the second film. They're on a date. And she tries to slap him he catches her hand he tries to slap him with the other hand catches her hand and then a hand comes out from under the table and slaps him anyway and he looks at the hand and looks back at the camera and I want to know how annoying that was to shoot so I would like Zaz to be there if they'd be willing I think to go into the real into the detail <laughs> obviously this is a post screening Q&A this is not one of those annoying awful yes I will. this movie's great can't really talk about it yeah no <laughs> anyway it's great oh yeah no it is great oh did I tell you it's great oh yeah 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 it's great okay good any questions no okay bye <laughs> this has to be a proper it's going to be an hour long <laughs> yeah 45 to an hour almost as long as the movie yep. discussion about how they made the movie and on runtimes do you think this film could or should be longer than 90 minutes no that's <laughs> nope. a very easy no I don't think there's anything in this where I was like, oh, I would like more from that. There are gangs that I love a lot, but there's a reason why they've kept them that short. So I don't think there's any reason to extend anything. Thank you so much, Ali, for coming by and talking about this movie and also making me and producer Louise rewatch it. We had a blast. I'm so glad. <laughs> that makes me so happy. And I'm sorry for monopolising this whole interview slash podcast. I've got so much to say about it. And mainly it's going, <laughs> that bit was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> well, we just want we want to know the point of this podcast is to, to know what you chose and why you chose it. And I think yeah. you uh, you made a very compelling case. <laughs> and the other movies I'd hope were 90, but I kind of can tell aren't, are the Hot Shots Part 1 and 2, which definitely would be in this category for me. And if you like this, obviously, there's airplane there there was a hot hot pocket of movies like this around late 80s early 90s mm. and as we say they're kind of gone there was a bit of there was a bit of jim carrey in the late 90s mm. like liar liar and stuff like that but 
nothing really recaptured what this was. No, it didn't. It's like you know, people tried to make this film in the '90s, and some did, some did well, some did bad. But I think in the noughties it just went away. Just went away. It's disappeared. Just that scary it's got crap. <laughs> Ali, if people want to hear more of your voice and uh, follow you on the internet, where should they go? If you follow people on the internet, why don't you try following me on Twitter at Ali Plum? That's A L I P L U M B. My whole life is telling people, yes, with a B. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram with the same Addy, and yeah, Facebook too. Uh, but I've also got a podcast which is called Radio One's Screen Time, two words, fact fans. You can find it on BBC Sounds. You can also find it on any other podcast provider. And it's essentially me and my friend Ace at One Extra talking about the week's news. And then every Sunday we have a big interview as well. So yeah, there you go. That's what I do. Something you do on Instagram, which I really enjoy, is your felt tip pen review. Yes, that is really acknowledging the fact that no one cares about your thoughts on mise-en-scene is how to train your dragon three good give me four reasons why it's good a couple of reasons why it's not perfect star rating who's in it who directs it importantly how long is it mm-hmm. and then scribble that down and then that's pretty much all anyone needs it's true so my voice is kind of irrelevant there <laughs> <laughs> i work for the radio and most of my stuff is written down so thank you ellie and thank you for listening to this episode of the 90 minutes or less film festival if you liked what you heard you can rate us on itunes or your podcast app of choice uh, give us a give us a like give us a review maybe subscribe it's up to you. We are also on Instagram and Twitter at 90minfilmfest. The show is produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. Our music is by Martin Orstwick. The show is edited by Luke Smith and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye.